Welcome to the Zenov podcast. You are listening to our business resilience series where we bring to you conversations with eminent industry stalwarts and thought leaders from across the globe as they share their insights on overcoming challenges and the mindset that helps them navigate through journeys of crisis resilience and growth. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Zenov podcast. It's great to have you listen in once again. I'm Nitika Goel, CMO of Zenov and your host for today. A common theme during this pandemic has been the theme of scarcity. Scarcity of hospital beds, scarcity of medicine, and for many businesses, the scarcity of customers. Some verticals have been more severely impacted than others, and the travel and hospitality segment is definitely one of them. The fight for survival or the means to weather the storm in our experience of working with customers across the world has been the resourcefulness of its people and its leadership. What they have demonstrated in these volatile times is what has been key to their survival and growth. Sabre Corporation is a travel and technology company based in South Lake, Texas, and their India Center has been playing a key role in helping them weather the storm. Sabre India has done something very unique by democratizing leadership at multiple levels, which enables their people to innovate and become more efficient. I have with me today Jaya Kumar, Vice President and Managing Director of Sabre India, who's going to share with us his journey of the whole democratization of leadership and what it took to deliver on this hybrid approach. Jaya has more than 30 years of industry experience and has played a key role in driving their innovation capabilities, technology solutions, and obviously at this particular point in time, the leadership journey that has helped them come out more resilient. Welcome to this episode of the Zenov Podcast, Jaya. Hi, Nitika. Um, first of all, let me say thank you for having me on the podcast. And I'm really privileged to be able to share some thoughts on how we are navigating this journey. And um, I remember uh, people when they want to wish somebody luck uh, would say, may you live in interesting times. Um, I don't think anybody would have thought that the saying would transform uh, as it is today uh, um, into may you live in unprecedented times. And so uh, yeah, definitely uh, these are both times of exercising skills as well as learning new capabilities as well as figuring out how to um, navigate uh, an organization through what could be called uh, a little bit of choppy waters. Great. I love the analogy of choppy waters and it's just the perfect segue into what we're going to be talking about today, democratizing leadership. COVID and the lockdown have undeniably had a deep impact on the travel and hospitality segment, and digital transformation has been a key lever in combating its after effects. What has the leadership strategy been for Sabre to drive this rapid digital transformation? A really interesting question, Nitika. Um, essentially, much before COVID hit us, Sabre was actually already on a transformational journey. Our CEO, along with the E-team, our CEO, Sean Minke, had uh, kept what would be called a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal, which was to create a new marketplace for personalized travel, uh, many times larger than that existed today. And I'm talking about pre-COVID times, by, say, 2025. And in order to accomplish that, we had uh, put together a transformational plan, which involved uh, technology transformation, focusing on low-cost carriers, uh, working on personalized shopping, 
um, and also focusing on the area of hospitality. So these plans actually got set, let's say, last quarter of 2019 and were rolled out in January of 2020. And at that time, everybody was unaware what was waiting for us down the road. And then uh, um, when uh, slowly the awareness began to dawn on people that there was a crisis of really big magnitude developing, um, it became very apparent that the first group of industries or first group of areas that would get hit would be travel and hospitality. And this implied two things. First, a crisis is always an opportunity. And second, that we had to actually hold our innovation strategy in place while also responding to the customer's requirement to meet what was the new crisis that was developing. So our leadership had a global strategy for the organization kept in place. And products are developed across the globe with leadership distributed across the globe. And as the organization started facing the crisis, which is airlines, hotels, cruise cruise lines, uh, car rental agencies, all of them would begin to require what kind of travel would be allowed in the new context, what kind of hotel stay would be allowed in the new context. And so the platform that supported them also needed to provide these capabilities. So if you take a look at how you travel today, you need new kind of documentation, uh, you probably require touchless travel. Your seating in airlines has to support social distancing. And uh, our uh, the platform and the software that allow uh, airlines and also hotels to operate like this. And those kind of uh, uh, innovations uh, being rapidly brought into the product was done by the teams in the different centers where our products are being developed and our, the teams are located. And this was done in as rapid a fashion as possible so that the airlines could then figure out as the travel dwindled um, and eventually then stabilized at a very low level and now beginning to pick back again after so many months, but still requiring these strong constraints while traveling, there's software needed to support that. So if you notice, there was a leadership required to respond to the immediate now normal, as they call it. And then we had our own organization's plans to deal with the new normal, which is uh, playing the long game, um, increasing the market for personalized travel, and completely reimagining the um, the travel experience. And so um, the organization focused on making sure that momentum was maintained on both the fronts. And in order to do that lies the story of how um, the organization made sure that all the leaders in different parts of the organization of a very far uh, uh, widespread and far-flung company, which operates in more than 62 countries globally, uh, was able to bring this both these strategies uh, together and in place as we progress through this crisis. Those are very interesting narratives, and I like your whole analogy of you know playing both the short game as well as the long game. So one of the key things, obviously, you, you talked about a very involved global leadership. Uh, so typically, we've seen that companies are either heavily centralized or decentralized to ensure efficiencies and responsiveness during the crisis. What approach did Sabre take and what was some of the leadership tenets behind the same? As I mentioned, uh, the Sabre Corporation is a very, very uh, spread out corporation. We, we are present in so many countries on the globe and we have been so for many decades. And um, each uh, country uh, or each area or region may have its own requirements, uh, regulatory requirements, social requirements, talent pool availability, business demands and so on. So um, if we have a central leadership. What the central leadership focused on the moment we figured out what was coming in was to make sure that the organization direction was made very clear. That is, um, the strategic transformation goals um, we should continue. Um, perhaps uh, at a little less momentum if 
the situation so uh, demanded it. But however, we needed to continue on it as well as responding to what was coming on as the new normal uh, or rather the now normal. And so balancing both became the key. So the central leadership made sure that um, they could see as far as possible how long the crisis would last and therefore make sure that the organization was rightly geared and structured to uh, navigate that time period, very importantly. And second, the focus on the whole, uh, both immediate innovation and the long-term innovation was both held in place with appropriate uh, um, emphasis as uh, required, which meant in the initial stages, we focused on making sure that our products were able to support what the our customers and our partners needed. And um, in the long run, we have to continue to make sure that we'll be able to do that once this uh, crisis is over. And more importantly, this is a time of what you would call um, a VUCA environment. Uh, if you heard of the volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, attributes for a operating environment where uh, everybody is fear uh, is taken up with fear, uncertainty, doubt, all these acronyms, FUD, if you have heard. So um, what became very evident to our central leadership was communication about what the organization was doing, how strong it was, and where the emphasis was needed to be very clearly rolled out to the organization. Once that was done, that is the direction was set, it uh, um, uh, asked the local leadership to step up and uh, um, make sure that each of their areas were adequately um, staffed and adequately able to carry through whatever was required to meet the exigencies of the immediate operating requirements, as well as keep focus on the long-term um, strategic uh, imperatives, as we call them internally, uh, um, are maintained. That's a very interesting point that you made. You talked about the guardrails being provided at a central leadership level. However, a lot of autonomy being given at the different centers and hubs. So when, in a sense, you're talking about a democratized style of leadership, what are the key enablers of such leadership? And how can this be codified into a culture of an organization across all levels? Thank you for uh, making a very astute observation, Ritika. Uh, uh, the fact is that an organization cannot overnight develop these skills. They needed to be, perhaps some elements be in place and the, um, the culture needed to already be evolving to allow people to work in both modes where they are aligned with an overall direction as well as having a lot of local autonomy to um, bring their skills and expertise to bear. In, in most organizations, uh, by and large, in the past, leadership development has been a top-down top down uh, approach driven perhaps by the people leader, by the chief people officer and the people team. Um, and if you look at leadership, there are two aspects to it. One is um, each individual aims to develop skills to be able to navigate his environment, uh, never mind which area or which industry he's operating in. Uh, you could sort of term this as an horizontal capability development uh, in the horizontal sense um, to uh, learn how to solve complex problems and master complex challenges. And the other is actually the being part of the leader, building the strength of character, being able to weather ups and downs of uh, different uh, um, times, and also being unfazed by setback. If you were to choose to call this a vertical development, um, many times when you do top-down uh, driven approach, people think of, hey, we will provide them with this leadership skill once a year and you're done. It's like a one and done approach. Uh, or uh, the person who is the best programmer, uh, speaking of our uh, software industry, uh, then um, tends to become the uh, be appointed as the leader of the team. However, the skills required for leadership are very different and uh, skills required in a democratized setup is even more different. So 
one of the things uh, that uh, we have in Sabre Bangalore is um, we have a whole set of programs that we run through the year and we allow people to in quotes self-select themselves so people come up and volunteer for running these programs and these could be things like running codathons things like running a innovation uh, effort um, in a, a specific vertical uh, it could be running what could be an employee day and so uh, individuals volunteer and they come up and uh, uh, form a, a self-regulated self-managed team um, then they are also know that their role is to perhaps fashion the nature of that particular uh, program that they've taken up, come up with options and alternatives, and then seek help when required, and then come and present it to, let's say, the chief stakeholders, maybe the two or three senior leaders in the organization to make sure that they think that uh, they are on the right track and then be responsible for the uh, results. So this opportunity to, to self-select themselves into leadership uh, uh, roles for a limited period of time where they gain the skills to interact with multiple stakeholders while driving an activity through to completion, working with another set of leaders coming in from different areas of expertise is uh, pretty much the warp and move of Sabre Bangalore. And um, in some sense, it makes uh, the individuals be responsible for their own growth. And very often we have seen that individuals may be great subject matter experts, uh, but they may not necessarily uh, be great leaders, it might require additional experiences for them to change into great leaders. And so um, we um, give the individuals the opportunity to self-select themselves, to volunteer in some sense, and then to step into a team of individuals who have volunteered, figure out how they will work together, get empowered, and also learn to seek help when they know that uh, there are areas that they really don't know how to navigate. Once that is done, um, then they really come up with ideas, come up with recommendations, and sometimes they get shot down. And so you need a lot of emotional maturity to accept the fact that, hey, people thought that this was not meeting the objective, and then go back perhaps almost to the drawing board or figure out ways of modifying their proposals. So since this is uh, this kind of uh, environment prevails in the organization that uh, helped us meet the the, the sudden crisis that developed this year also. And that has, I would like to say that that has actually been uh, part of our organizational fabric for a while. Got it. That, those are really great points. I'm going to ask you more because there are lots of companies that may not already have it in the structure that you do. How do you think one could see that culture? And are there any recommendations that you have on how to put together these self-regulating teams and cross-functional teams? Great thought uh, um, and great uh, um, question. Um, I have to say that uh, enough of the credit has to go to the Sabre CEO and the E-team. Uh, sometime, perhaps around 2018 or so, they brought into uh, the organization some kinds of framework. Um, and let's pick one. Um, it's called the RAPID framework. I'm not sure whether you're familiar with it. It's a decision-making framework where the words RAPID stand for, uh, let's say, um, somebody R stands for somebody who recommends, A stands for somebody who has to agree, P stands for somebody who performs, I stands for people who give inputs, and D is where the decision lies. So when you have this framework, uh, you can get a set of leaders together who are recommenders, who agree, who um, can lead the operationalization of decisions, and um, perhaps a really senior leader with gray hair um, in overall organizational context who, can, who will have the D or who will take responsibility of saying, okay, this is the way we will go. And the, this frameworks was already brought into the company at different levels. 
so that people were clear hey in this team i am in this role and I, as a leader uh, i have to develop options if i am going to recommend one out of three and um, somebody else would say hey i am an impacted party and um, i need to agree and i need to agree responsibly if i feel that the solution is meeting my needs and i need to call it out if i feel that it's not and so people had a framework in which to exhibit uh, appropriate leadership behaviors while allowing the decision or the d to rest with somebody who will eventually take the call um, and it's a form of shared leadership where each leadership leader's role sort of uh, gets in some way put into a framework and allows people to uh, work together without getting into each other's ways otherwise many times you know we have seen um, at least in my long career i have seen that sometimes people uh, the teams that are uh, chartered with accomplishing an activity tend to get into either analysis paralysis or into squabbles and then for progress tends to get stalled and so given that this context was in place this allowed us to do this great i think those are extremely interesting points i know for a fact i uh, based on our last discussion that this model actually held you in good stead during this entire pandemic and one of your teams really came together to mobilize the india center to be one of the most responsive centers and uh, to respond to this crisis so it would be great if you could share a little bit more perspective and insights and anecdotes on what you did uniquely to set up this cross functional team and how were you able to respond better as a function of the same absolutely um, and as i was uh, mentioning earlier as the crisis was developing um, it was not very clear uh, what was the overall shape and contours of the crisis um, it looked like hey something was happening and some locations were impacted so people from those locations had to be careful travel was uh, restricted to those locations um and we the worldwide impact was not even visible but there were some leaders in our organization who began to see that this was beginning to sweep across the globe so what they did uh, they took a step back started monitoring the global uh, pace of this pandemic as it developed and there were two parts to the crisis one is the biological crisis which is a pandemic other is the economic crisis because as business activity tanked um, it would start impacting uh, revenues for uh, especially for companies like ours which are in travel and hospitality and so correlating the two it began to show up that uh, the crisis was beginning to snowball uh, the interesting thing was there were a couple of folks in our office couple of leaders who spotted this and um, began to uh, call the alert the leaders that hey what we are beginning to see is looking far far more serious than anything anybody has ever seen so we may need to react to it can you folks please also make sure that the perspective in uh, in our head office in dallas is similar um, or perhaps they have a broader view and um, to to all credit to saber we had a, a global team also being set up around the same time and our uh, leadership here then pulled together what we call as a site operations team and this team has a, a membership from finance from facilities from it from security from the people team it has all the senior vps it has from uh, people from bizops for budget and cost impacts and uh, they came together and the uh, thinking very clearly was we needed to go into lockdown as quickly as possible and uh, interestingly the view had not come to that point even um, in dallas and so um, there were a couple of uh, long drawn out discussions with data being presented saying that we needed bangalore to go into lockdown and uh, we went into lockdown on march 15 
um, ahead of the rest of the company, um, which stood us in extremely good stead. Um, so that allowed, uh, in some sense, cushioned us from the impact of having perhaps a spread happen in our office at that time. So um, the other thing that this uh, team did, the site operations team did, was as we went into lockdown, we realized that business operations needed to keep running in the best way possible. So, for example, new employees to whom we have made offers would join us. And how would we uh, onboard them, reach a laptop to them for them to be able to start working or learning and coming up to speed? So this entire team, the security team, the tech team, uh, the people team all got together, reworked the entire process and figured out how to make this happen. Then uh, um, we also ran, uh, interestingly, an intern hiring program um, just a few weeks ago, which completed this a few weeks ago. And uh, our TA team figured out completely how to run this entire hiring process uh, remotely. And then as they come on board, if we are still in this situation, we have a mechanism to onboard them and uh, get them uh, assimilated into the organization and integrated with their teams, which has all been made possible because of the SiteOps team coming together. Great. That's actually quite a bit that was done. And I think they say, right, in crisis, we um, come together and be stronger, almost become anti-fragile. And I think that has truly been reflective of the way Sabre Global and Sabre India has reacted to this crisis. Thank you so much, Jaya, for your uh, invaluable time. I think you've talked about a very structured framework on what it will take to build a truly democratized uh, culture and a leadership style where you promote that across the organization at all levels. And I think your organization is different in the sense where you have not just put it on paper, but it has translated into action in a very meaningful way for your organization, both in the short and I'm sure in the long run as well. Thank you again for your time. And we look forward to having you as part of our other podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Neetika. I really appreciated the opportunity to share some of the um, activities that we have at Sable Bangalore to help us navigate this time. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Zinov's Business Resilience Series. Stay tuned for more such interesting episodes and subscribe to our podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. To know more about Zinov, and if you believe we can help with your problems, please visit our website www.zinov.com or drop us a note at info at Thank you again, and don't forget to tune in to our next episode.